Amen, amen. The message today, I have titled it, New Tongues. Now, it's probably not going to be what you were already thinking of, because when you say new tongues, you automatically think of the Scripture. They will be filled with new tongues, and yes, that is it. But God has given me a little bit of revelation, and I think uh, if we heed the words and we listen, God is wanting to do something new in each and every one of us. Uh, Before I sort of hit the message today, I want to just review for a moment. Over the past several weeks, I feel like God is doing something, he's saying something, and he's leading us to a new place. If you'll think about the theme of what God has been saying over the last several weeks, it's he's getting ready to do a new thing. And so a few weeks ago, Pastor Lena, she spoke on signals and sounds. And God had given me this message a few months ago. So it's just interesting to me that she spoke on signals and sounds, and she taught us that the sound of a trumpet would signal the people to gather to receive information. So there was a sound made, the people gathered, so there was a signal and a sound. The following week, John spoke on the next sentence. He said that life may feel stagnant, you're not sure what God is doing, what's going on, and just things are sort of in a blah. But when God speaks the next sentence, everything can change. Amen? And so he said, we want to know what the next sentence is over the epicenter, corporately, individually. Then last week, Sabato spoke, his message was called The River. To me, it was an amazing, beautiful representation of the river, and there's so much in there. I really recommend you go back all three weeks and listen. There's a lot that we can gather. Uh, if we're here at one time, it's not enough to really make it concrete in our lives. And so we need to listen to the word again and again. And I think especially at this time when God is wanting to do something new, it's what is not familiar to us. And so we need to pay more attention. Um, And so what was interesting to me was that last week, uh, Courtenay, who usually normally she plays keys, she's not with us today. She's actually playing with Lakewood. She plays a cello for Lakewood a lot of times. And I know most of you have never seen her play cello. She's an amazing cellist. Uh, and so I told her today I would let her go, but it was just the only time, and, and that Joel would have to send her back. But last week, while we were leading worship, she began to sing the, the words, Consider not the former things. And that's out of Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. And just listen to this. The, the scripture says, Do not call to mind the former things, or consider things of the past. Behold, I am going to do something new. Now it will spring up. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Do not call to mind the former things or consider the things of the past. Now, this isn't in opposition to what Pastor Lena was saying about remembering. Yes, we remember the the things that God has done in our lives, the breakthroughs, the victories. But we don't remember the things that haven't come through yet. The things that we maybe we we find disappointed. The things that didn't quite happen the way we thought it was going to work out. He says, consider not those things. Don't remember them or meditate on those things that I have not said. Forget. Remember not. Do not call to mind. Really what that means is we mentally separate it. We no longer even think of it. That's how God can forgive our sins when he forgets. He chooses, he makes a willful choice to not remember anymore. And that's what he's saying for our life. When we are forgiven, we are to wipe it out of our memories as if it never happened because that is what God is saying. Do not remember the former things, but separate it. But the trap is, is when God is wanting to do something new, our tendency is to revert back to normal, what's comfortable. 
See, it'd be comfortable for me. I even thought, I don't know, should I preach on this message, Lord? You've been doing a lot of new things lately. Maybe I should just go back to something, you know, just a topic. But that's the risk we have to take when we want to follow what God is saying. If we truly want to enter into something new, guess what? You've got to leave the old. You can't bring the old to the new and call the old the new. So in order to enter into the new place, the new step, the new rhythm, the new rhyme, we have to be willing to let go of the past. But we have to forget what was behind us in order to move on. See, we want to treat the river of God like a theme park ride. Woo, that was fun, but you know what? I'd rather just stay on the bank. Let me just get out of the deep end and stay on the pool where it, on the side of the pool where it's safer. See, that's how we treat God. We get a little bit of a thrill one Sunday. We experience it, and we're like, woo, that's nice. But, oh, oh, next week, let's go back to normal. Let's not, let's not do anything too crazy. See, we've got to be willing to risk it all to follow him. It takes faith to follow him. It takes trust to follow him. See, we can either go back to what's comfortable, what's familiar, or we can move on with what God is doing and saying in this season, there's always a choice. Always. Luke 19.44 says this, and they will level you to the ground and throw down your children within you. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. It's all about recognizing what God is doing in an hour and in a season. See, so many of us, we get busy. We, God will say one thing during a service and we move on with our lives. We don't reflect on what he said. See, we've got to go from, from, from word to word, and that's how we go from faith to faith. When he says it, we believe it, we, we walk in it, and we wait for the word to be fulfilled in our lives. See, when I was in prayer, it was been several months ago. Uh, someone was praying, and all of a sudden, they just began to quote the words from March 16. Now, Obviously, I've heard these words numerous times. But all of a sudden, I like to say it like this. It's like uh, when God gives me something during worship uh, or he gives me a prophetic word, it's like if it's during worship, I'll be singing a lyric or a word, and all of a sudden that word will feel like it's, it becomes bold, it becomes highlighted. It's truly what the Bible says, consecrated, set apart. It's set apart from what's the, the regular, the, the original. And so God began to just highlight, when they began to say the words, they shall speak with new tongues, something in me just lit up like a neon sign. I was like, that's for us. But I didn't quite know what that meant, because the traditional thought is, when we, when we, when we talk about new tongues, we think of being filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And yes, that is true, but that's not my point today. So hopefully by the end, you will get a little bit of this, and together we can see God change our lives. So Mark 16, 17, 18 says this. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Yes, Jesus, let it happen in this place right now. We thank you for the, heal the for healing revival that you have prophesied over this place. God, we stand in agreement. Are you with me this morning? We want to we lay hands on the sick and see them recover, amen? Because that's what the Word says. Now, back to my message. These signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. What are tongues? Tongues is simply... Our speech, the flowing of speech. So really what it means is language. What is language? Languages are words, are words that we use, and a series of words to communicate or exchange information, yes? 
It would be hard for me to get this message across if no one understood English in this room. If I was just talking, you would have no idea what I was saying, but languages enable us to communicate, to exchange information, and it, it allows for us to really become a community because there are things that are, we are in common, we're familiar. It, it's, it's just how communities are created. But if we look at what the Bible says when, they, when it talks about new tongues, the word new here in the Greek, what it really means, and it can be new, but it has the really deeper meaning of new in quality. Now, a better way to say that, because I know once you say new, whatever you think of new, that's what you're going to picture. If it's a new car, if it's a new shoe, it's a new gift, it's new, it's brand new. But what the Bible is talking about is like a freshness in quality. It's fresh. It's fresh. Did you know you are to be fresh? Stay fresh, my friends. He's calling us to be fresh. Now, think of bread. Now, I don't know who in here likes stale bread. Uh, I, I don't particularly eat bread. It's not on my diet. I, I, I suffer for the sake of the gospel. No, I'm just kidding. But when you go to get bread, what do you do? You hit the bread aisle. You smell it. You start, you, you walk up to you, what, all the, the loaves there, what do you do? You start squeezing everything. You got to feel for it, right? You got to find out which is the fresh. I mean, you mutilated all the other breads and you left them behind, but you're, you're wanting the, the fresh stuff. You're not wanting that week old stuff, that yesterday stuff. You want the fresh, the soft, white, wonderful, wonder bread. Hallelujah. You're looking for the fresh stuff. You're not going to buy the stale old stuff. Amen. So that's what the Bible is talking about. See, we are looking for the freshest quality we can find, but seldom does that translate to our spiritual lives. See, how many of us, when it comes to the Word or His presence, no longer seek the fresh, but we settle for the stale of last week's Word or the last time we were in His presence or the last breakthrough we had? See, long ago, we became satisfied, but Jesus when he demonstrated how we are to pray to the Father, says what? Give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. See, but we live being content with yesterday's bread. We are to seek daily bread, which is the freshest quality from him we can get. So here's the point. I believe throughout today, if you walk away with one thing, it's that he wants to birth a fresh language within us that reaches out to others and draws them to him see we we aren't and we shouldn't be interested in drawing people to us because if so we have become their savior but our desire should be that what we say the language and the tongue we speak draws others to him now, i want us to look at that the very first beginning of of, of the scripture in Mark 16, 17, where it says, these signs will accompany. There's just something about signs that I believe we need to start paying extra close attention to. See, a sign is something to grab our attention. See, signs are always important, and they become even more important when we're going down a direction maybe that we're unfamiliar with. See, but also remember, signs aren't every Five feet, signs are spaced out at different intervals. But we want to treat God like a GPS. 
turn left at the corner, turn right at the end. What we want is the estimated arrival time will be this many hours and you'll be there by this time. See, that doesn't happen. But I just feel like in this season, in this moment, when God is saying he wants to do something new, he's speaking about the, the coming revival, we need to pay attention and not rush what he's doing, nor disregard what he has said. We must open our ears to hear what he is saying. See, a sign is an indicator. A sign doesn't give you a full explanation. A sign only points or directs your attention to something else. See, if you're driving down a highway, a sign gives you limited information that then we must determine what we're going to do with that information. Do we heed the warning? Do we not heed the warning? See, but even if a sign is giving, we have to make the decision whether to obey. If a sign says 55 miles per hour, does that mean I have to do it? Now, we all know that there's been occasions where we haven't followed the sign's recommendation, and we get pulled over, and it's called getting a speeding ticket. See, but we all know that a sign is there for a reason. Signs aren't just for non-believers. It's also for us. For what? They indicate that God is working in us and through us. See, the sign points to Jesus on the inside, that his word is coming to pass. See, God wants us to stay fresh. John quoted it earlier. The, the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Lamentations 3, 22 says this. The Lord's acts of mercy indeed do not end. For his compassions do not fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, even there, the, the, the Hebrew word, going back to the Old Testament, where it says his mercies are new every morning, it means the same thing. It's fresh in quality. See, his mercies, his compassion are fresh for us every day. His, his mercies, is his, it's his kindness, it's his goodness, his favor over us. His compassion, his tender love. See, he cherishes us. You are his prize. The prophet Isaiah, I believe, is a good example for how we are to live our lives. Uh, when he saw God, the allness and the holiness of God's presence overwhelmed him. And listen to this. Isaiah 6, 5-7 through 7 says this. This is Isaiah. Then I said, woe to me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of the armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. Verse 7, he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and atonement is made for your sin. See, I, I realize in that, that Isaiah is, eyes have been opened to the fact that, God, I cannot speak for you, because what I utter is a bunch of nonsense. I am undone before you. My, my lips are unclean. Lord, I, Isaiah recognized that if he was going to represent God, he was going to speak on God's behalf, he better use the language that God had given him. See, no longer could he just say what he wanted to say. He could not longer say what was familiar to him. But he now must speak what God has said. And he understood that he couldn't do this within himself, that he had to have the power of God within him to accomplish this. See, he recognized that he needed new tongues. I am unclean. And God cleansed his lips, and he removed those former things. Amen? 
See, God wants to purify all of us, especially our language and the words we speak. I believe that when God is getting ready, that he's, he's saying revival. I believe he wants to have our words fashioned so that people aren't confused. We don't double speak. See, a lot of times our experience in God gives us this verbiage that's unlike what Scripture actually says. We don't realize it, but we, it's just habitual. We, because what we've experienced, maybe there's been a disappointment. We haven't seen God do what we thought he was going to do. We, will, we have the tendency to repeat those things, even though God has said that's not what he has said. I just feel like God is wanting to us to recognize that we need to speak with a new language. We need to have new tongues, and that's his language. We need to speak what he has said. See, we can no longer use the language of the world the language of fear, the language of unbelief, the language of doubt, of worry, of hopelessness. See, we should be speaking the language of faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen yet. Yet. See, we are to be convinced it's a reality. What God said will come to pass. It's not foolish to say what God has said. We're not living in a fantasy land when we declare healing over our bodies because he's already said it. So we speak the language of faith. Acts 2, 1 through 11 says this. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. They're in agreement. And suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves. And a tongue rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard in their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these all speaking our Galeans? Then how is it that each of us hears in our own native language? Verse 11, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. The Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues. See, it's no surprise to me, and I know it may sound cliche, but the fact that they got a hold, the first thing the Holy Spirit got a hold of was their tongues. See, before they went out into the world to be his witnesses, he first caused a change to their language. He empowers our language. He gives us his language and empowers us to speak his words. If, in fact, if you look at uh, where the Greek is talking about the ability to speak out, which says that he gave them power and the ability to speak out, really what speak out means is that it's not just a casual word or a casual talk. It actually means belonging to a dignified and elevated discourse. He wants to bring our language to another level. He wants to bring our language to another level. He wants us to speak what he has said, not what history has said, not our failures have said, not what our past has said, not what our disappointments have said, but he wants us to speak what he says. See, the place of agreement with him allows for the continual outpouring of his language into us and through our lives. See, as long as we stay connected in agreement, the flow continues. See, our yielding gives way to his utterance. The more we yield, the more he can speak through us. I find it interesting that once they were filled with the Spirit, 
Notice what happens. See, when we get into agreement, we get into alignment with his word, it says this, the people inside the room were filled with a new tongue. The sound was heard outside the building, and the sound drew those who were outside near. The language of God and the sound we make when we speak his words and we're in step with him, it gathers people. See, it gathers those to him. It calls to them. When people hear truth, their ears are open. See, but notice not everyone heard the same thing. Each one heard according to their language. What do I mean by that? Well, what speaks to me may not speak to you. What speaks to you may not speak to me. See, they heard in their own dialect. It means their own phrasing. They use the, the language of their region. So that's how we affect other people. You may not even know what you say, but if you agree with heaven and you, you say, Lord, I want my words to be your words. What am I doing that is in opposition to what you have said? What is in opposition to your word? How do I fully demonstrate who you are to anybody? Anyone that has a question, we don't want to confuse people. We want to speak the language that he has given us. See, his language opens deaf ears. What do I mean by that? They heard the sound. Before they knew it, they discerned, they heard the, the voice of God in their own dialect and in each individual language. See, each one for themselves heard something different, but they all heard the wonders of God. You know, I've been in many conversations over the years, and just one way I, I sort of identify with this is that as a child, I went through what I would call trauma. And so I grew up, it's just a, a reflection in me, a reaction in me, that if anyone uh, if I felt any sort of push from someone or I, I was, you know, forced to do something, I would automatically throw up a wall, and it was my right to resist anything that I felt like was not good for me. Now, I was in a conversation with Lena. Maybe it was twice. Maybe it's a hundred times. Who knows? Who, who's counting? But it's like in one of those conversations where she begins to just talk, and she's like, you know, what you're doing is you're treating God like you, you're treating what happened to you in the past. So you're throwing up a wall, and you're resisting God, and he's not able to get through. Well, when I heard the words, it's like my ears were open to the truth for the first time, and I could walk out of that and walk into the freedom that he actually called me to do. See, he opens deaf ears. No matter the, your, your age or your stage, he can open them at any time if we just want to hear truth. 1 Corinthians says this, Yet even lifeless instruments, whether flute or harp, in producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played on the flute or the harp? I'm sure you've been somewhere and you've heard a wrong note being played. Maybe I've sang a wrong note and you're like, oh, Alan hit a wrong note today. See, it's interesting that when we do that, it's like there's, you hear it, you feel it, you notice it. Why? Because it sticks out from what is in harmony with the rest of it. It actually clashes with what is being played. It doesn't complement. See, and we must choose to complement and not clash with his word. See, we wonder why some things don't happen, and, and we, but the problem is we don't realize we're out of tune with him. See, we've hit the wrong note, but somehow we think God is at fault. When in reality, it's we've stopped being in tune with him. I'm going to close with this. See, my language, our language needs to change. I must, we must stop repeating and confessing our failures, our problems, our circumstances, but our language must be fashioned by his standards. What is his standards? 
It's His Word. We must speak the words that Jesus said. That's what we're commanded to do. See, if we're truly allowing our hearts to be transformed into His likeness, then our language must match His language. That's His Word. See, if we speak the opposite of His Word, then what we speak is truly a foreign language. See, I can't help but be reminded about the two priests in Leviticus that offered their own fires to God, and God refused it, and He rebuked them, actually cost them their lives, and called their offering strange fire. See, the fire was foreign to what He had commanded and therefore unrecognizable to Him. See, we so often use language to God that He considers strange, and we think He should honor what we say. But we are speaking in a language he doesn't recognize. It's unrecognizable. And that language he cannot and will not honor for your good. See, it's my language that must be shifted and transformed. Stand with me. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we know in part and we prophesy in part. We see in part and we hear in part, God. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are wanting to do a new thing. And so, God, what we do right now, God, we make the choice to follow your lead, God. Father, I thank you that you want to put your language within us, God. You filled us with your Holy Spirit, God. And so we want to speak the language of heaven, the language that breaks off heaviness, the language that sets captives free. We want to speak the language of heaven that miracles can happen, God. We don't want to speak our language. We don't want to come from our history. God, we want to speak what you say. And so, Lord, we ask you to search our hearts. God, Lord, any place where we have assigned or ascribed our language as yours, God, we ask that you would show us, that we would watch the words that fall out of our mouth. For you say, in there is life and death in the power of the tongue, and we want to speak life. So today, Lord, we choose. God, we, we listen and we heed your words, God. Lord, we thank you that you want to do a new thing. Lord, we settle in our hearts that not our will be done but yours. And God, I thank you that you fill us with your Holy Spirit. And we want to speak your language, the language that, 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 that goes forth, the language that draws them near unto you, God. Father, we don't want to say words that draw people to us, but we want to say words that draw them unto you. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we will watch the words we say, that we will be in harmony and in sync with you, God. Father, I thank you, Lord, that as we yield to you, Lord, you would just give us word after word after word for people, that it would just be an easy flow, God, no restriction. I thank you, Lord, that your river is never stuck. And so we, God, we choose to get into the deep with you. We thank you for a new speech, a new way of speaking, a new way of thinking. We thank you for making all things new, fresh, God. I thank you, Lord, that we want to be fresh, God. So we bless you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, that we want to be transformed into your image and into your likeness, God. Lord, I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and amen.